0: Pastor Robert is uh, with his family at the beach, and so uh, when he's gone, he lets me preach. So I'm quite excited that he's at the beach with his family because I like doing it. But uh, I got a good one for you today. Uh, I do got to warn you, though, this, this passage that we're going to be talking about, it's a very deep passage. Uh, it takes a lot of explanation. It takes a lot of actual Bible studying, and so hopefully today you can come out Uh, equipped to continue to share the gospel with people that you know need it. Uh, The sermon today is called Lions. And the reason it's called Lions is because of one verse that we're gonna read at the end. But more importantly, I like lions, right? So the other day I was watching this documentary on lions. And I think that this is my new favorite animal. If you've ever seen a documentary on lions, then you know that the one thing that a lion wants to do is eat. And the only way that a lion can eat is that it attacks its prey, it kills its prey, obviously, and then it eats it. But it's more than that. It is a vicious animal whose its basic instinct is as a team to kill. And I was watching this documentary and <clears throat> the first thing that it showed was this little baby, I don't know, buffalo, will be something. And, and it made you like love this little baby and like just just want to go cuddle it and hold it, and then the next thing, it flips to this lion just kind of hiding in the bushes, and you're like, uh-oh, right? Like, guess what's going to happen now? And so this little baby is, like, just eating, chilling with his mom, and then all of a sudden, this lion comes out full blast, just attacking it, running after it. The baby had absolutely no chance. And you're like, then why do you like lions? I don't know, because I think they're cool, because <laughs> lions, like, are vicious animals, and they just show majesty, and they show majestic animals, And Jesus actually is referred to lions a lot of time. I think you probably know that too. But in this passage, we're looking at a different view of lions. But I want to get in the picture of your head just how ferocious this animal really is. King of the jungle, right? Nothing can attack it, nothing can kill it, but it will destroy anything that it sees and anything that it wants to eventually feed on. But for some reason, the Bible uses a lion to show us what hope is laid out for us when we we are believers in Christ. And that if we really truly believe in Jesus, that that what we get to obtain in the future. But it uses such a crazy animal like a lion. But again, that's what we're talking about today. So I was watching this documentary. And then the next thing I know, Pastor Robert asked me to preach. And so I was thinking, well, what am I going to preach on? And so I was flipping through like I normally do. I just, I know that the Lord will give me something, give me some idea, give me some thought that I can build on in order to bring a message. And he, again, did that this time so I was flipping through and and all of a sudden I saw this post by Allison Horton and it said one day the lion will lay with the lamb. And again think about how the picture of a lion attacking anything that it wants and then the Bible lays it out as this lion and this lamb laying together in perfect harmony. And I thought man that's an incredible vision. Again after watching this documentary then you see this passage that say one day that they'll just be in perfect peace and harmony. So I was like man that's definitely what I wanna talk on. Basically, because I wanted to go back and read it and study it so I could get more information about what this verse actually meant. And so that's what we're gonna to do today. It's in Isaiah 11. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 11. And we're actually gonna look at the first nine verses. But what I, again, like I, I like to do, and I've said this a couple of times when I've been able to preach, is that I like to take it verse by verse because sometimes we just read so fast just to get the basic message of the passage. And we forget that in each verse, God has things within it that if we look deeper into it, if we study it a little more, that he can work within us through every single verse. And he gives us a lot of history. Uh, He gives us a lot of background in each verse. And so what I wanna do is for the first nine verses or so, just really look at it in depth. And again, hopefully at the end of this today, in the Christmas season, you can leave here encouraged not only to be passionate about the gospel, but not to hold it in, but to share it. And so let's look at the first verse. Right away, we see that Isaiah... In the first verse of, of chapter 11, Isaiah wants you to know exactly who he's talking about before he gets into anything else. And he says this in chapter, in verse 1, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Right? So if you're looking at that, if you read that, you might be like, Cool, that's good. Let me go on to stuff that actually makes sense to me. But again, that one verse has so much history, so much background. It, it, it really sets up the rest of the text, but also it kind of gives you some information on the previous chapter of Isaiah 10. But look at this verse a little deeper. You'll, you'll understand that Isaiah uh, is really telling you again, it's, it's fulfilling a prophecy or continuing the prophecy that we see in 2 Samuel when he talks about a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, some of you might know this, but, but if I had to ask you who Jesse is, maybe some of you might not know. I'm sure that a lot of you guys do know. But Jesse was the father of David, right? And so I, I think you know that from Scripture that the Bible mentions many times that Jesus, the Messiah, will come from a descendant of David. In 2 Samuel, he talks about a descendant of David will rise to rule all the people. In John seven forty two, when Jesus was already born, it says, Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? In 2 Timothy 2, 8, it says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David, David this is my gospel and so Isaiah wants you to understand that who he's talking about right now is the coming Messiah because again in Isaiah Jesus has not come yet but he also says something cool when he says come from the stump of Jesse now again we might just read over that and not realize what he's talking about but but that is really deep because what we don't understand is that the stump of Jesse is actually talking about David's dynasty if you will and keep in mind, from Isaiah chapter 10 to where we are in Isaiah chapter 11, there's about 600 years in between. And so David's dynasty within those 600 years has kind of been dormant. David has passed on, I mean, his children still live, obviously, but, but maybe the King David who once was like the king of everything, right, y'all know how, how awesome David is, but he has kind of not necessarily been forgotten, but he's just been laid dormant. And so what he's talking about, you got to go back to chapter 10 real quick. And I didn't put these on the screen, but it's funny when he says the stump of Jesse, because he says in chapter 10, verse 34, talking about God, he said, he will cut down the forest thickets with an ax. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. So what he he wants to understand from chapter 10 to chapter 11 is a forest, right? A big forest. Let's call it the the David's David's dynasty, just a big forest of, of trees, but then the first thing that he wants you to see in chapter 11, and you got to pick this up because of studying, remember a lot of, a lot of context and a, and a lot of commentaries helped me out with this, but you, you, you see that it, you have trees, but then all of a sudden you have a stump. And so what I think God wants you to understand is that this stump he's talking about is that David's dynasty has been cut down. And so you have this stump and out of death comes life in the form of Jesus, our Messiah. You follow me so far? And so I think Isaiah wanted you to understand that although uh, that that this full tree that was once giving fruit and bearing fruit and had all these branches has been cut down, and now the stump of Jesse is going to also provide a branch that will bear fruit. Now again, if you've ever had to cut trees, I remember back in my day, man, my father used to make me cut down trees for firewood and all this stuff. And we had to get this stump. When we cut down the stump, obviously a stump doesn't really grow trees back, so we had to get this stump little whatever you call it, and it grinded all the stump up so you have absolutely nothing left. But if you know anything about trees, stumps, kind of it's hard to produce another tree out of a stump. So again, you find this kind of weird play of words talking about that a branch will reappear out of this death stump. And so it's, again, it's a prophecy of how life can come out of death through the Messiah, which is Jesus. Again, though, going back to the same verse when he says, Jesse, I think he wants you to, under, wants you to understand that, that God is displaying humility in the birth of Jesus. Like, Why would he say the stump of Jesse rather than a Messiah will come from the King of David, the ruler of everything, right? The King of David who did everything right. But instead he used the stump of Jesse, a man that a lot of us forgot. And that's why I said, maybe you don't know who Jesse is. And so I think God's showing humility and it's a different way to say that the Messiah is coming rather than from the King of David, but instead from Jesse. It's just God showing humility in the Savior of the world. Again, I think that also is a difference. He wants you to understand that this man who was born to be our Messiah was born a man. Just like you and me, unless you're a lady, but still like you. Right? Thank you. I heard something back here. So the stump of Jesse provides life out of death by this man, the Messiah. So that's verse 1, right? So we see a lot of history out of verse 1. A lot of prophecy is about to go into the rest of this chapter. And so verses 2 through 5, right? We have this meek man named Jesus who who God displays humility by saying came from the stump of Jesse. But then we're about to see in verses 2 through 5 that this humility is then transformed into power because of these next couple verses. In verse two, from the roots of a branch will bear fruit. Verse two, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Again, he's talking about the Messiah. Then the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Stop right there real quick. Verses two, uh, what do we have? Verses, just verse two. So we see that he lays out these different spirits that have come on to the king, this man, right? Man from the, born from the stump of Jesse, just this, just this man. But immediately the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, which transformed him just from a man into literally God himself, right? You follow me so far? So you have the stump of Jesse who was born of a man, but now the spirit of the Lord, and that literally turns him, if you will. He was born, obviously, God and man, but the spirit of the Lord within him creates the rest of these things, which is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So this kind of come together. And really what you understand out of those is that, that, that God placed upon Jesus that he knows the real truth, that he's able to discern, and that is the foundation of the next two spirits, which is counsel and might. And we're about to see what counsel and might, where that comes into play a little further on in the chapter But then he goes on to say the spirit of knowledge, and that's basically to understand Scripture, to be able to take it in, be able to recite Scripture, be able to teach. And see, that's where we're going. The spirit of knowledge is where this passage will take us at the end of it. And then finally, I left this one out, but he says knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then this is verse 3, right? And if if you and I lived verse 3 for the rest of our life, Of course, it won't be perfect because we live in an imperfect world. But if you and I live what verse three says for the rest of our life, we are guaranteed to understand what knowledge and wisdom and truth really is. And that's simply this. And Jesus, if I'm put Jesus, it says he, but I'm putting Jesus, will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that mean, right? What does the fear of the Lord mean? I think that truly means that Jesus... His joy is to stand in awe of God, to literally stand and just be able to praise God for who he is. Not only that, but it is, he has pleasure in fulfilling the will of God. And of course, we have a different insight of this because we can look and read the gospels and understand what happened to Jesus. But think about that, right? The man who understands what's going to happen to him takes joy, takes pleasure in fulfilling the word of God, which ultimately means his death here on earth. And if you and I lived that way, lived with pleasure of fearing the Lord, lived with pleasure of understanding the will of God and fulfilling the will of God, not only would you be changed on the inside, but many people around you would be changed. Because we understand fully what God calls us to do, and not only do we just understand it, but we act on it. Do you have joy in understanding and fulfilling the will of God? I'm gonna be honest with you, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends when I want to do it, right? Like when the will of God is something that I want to do, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'll do it. But when the will of God is tough, I don't want no part of that. So sometimes I have to tell myself, am I really understanding what Jesus wants of me? Do I really understand what Jesus did for me so that I can actually understand this scripture? And so I ask you, do you really take joy in understanding and fulfilling the will of God in your life. If we want to be anything like Jesus who we want to be like, then you got to understand that delight, delighting in the fear of the Lord, trembling at the displeasure of the Lord. We have to fear the fact that, that God does not want us to do things that are against his will. And Jesus, I think, actually trembled at displeasing God. And that kind of goes back to understanding and finding joy in doing the will of God. Sometimes we don't fear displeasing God. A lot of times we don't fear displeasing God. I know for a fact the majority of the world cares nothing about displeasing God. So that means that you and I have a lot of work to do. And we're about to find out that if you continue to live a life that displeasing God, there's not much left for you. But if you live a life that fears the will of God, if you feel, live a life that finds joy in pleasing the Lord, oh man, you got a lot waiting for you. But we can't take all this and not spread it to the people who, who need it, right? We can't sit in the church every single Sunday and sometimes every single Wednesday and just take it all in and just be so excited about what God's teaching us but never share it. That makes no sense. If we really want to obtain the hope that God laid out for us, if we really want to delight in the fear of the Lord, it comes for ourselves, but it also comes to the people that are around us. And so God displays this humility and the birth out of the stump of Jesse, but then he, uh, he he puts power and authority onto Jesus. And so these three these these spirits of the Lord, uh, you got spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel and power, and spirit of knowledge. See these characteristics describe. The Spirit of the Lord, but they also describe the nature of Jesus, right? So, but but notice there is no difference between the nature of Jesus and the nature of the Holy Spirit, and understand this: that when we see Jesus, we also see the Father. So, if you understand what Isaiah is talking about here, you can understand exactly who Jesus is, exactly what Jesus looks like. But if you understand that, then you know exactly who Father is, because if you see Jesus, you also see the Father, right? That's Scripture. But then he goes on to say this, right? Well, well, well let's why is that important? Like, why is all this important? Why is that the Messiah is born out of some of Jesse? Why is all these spirit things important? We're getting to the lion's part in a second. Isaiah wants you to understand that Jesus, the Messiah, is totally equipped to rescue the world. Equipped with everything that he needs to rescue the world, rescue me, to rescue you, and to rescue a fallen world. And Isaiah is trying to show the perfection that Jesus embodies. He's trying to show the pure righteousness and holiness that Jesus is. He's literally trying to show you that the glory of God is Jesus in the flesh. He's showing you because that is what it took for you and I to experience salvation. Perfection, holiness, righteousness, the glory of God in the flesh. And as we come upon this Christmas season, sometimes we just kind of blow past the birth of Jesus because we've heard it so many times. But Isaiah in this prophecy is telling you that everything that Jesus embodies had to be for you and I to experience salvation, for you and I to experience the glory of God, and for you and I to eventually experience the hope laid out for us. That's why it's important. That's why why Isaiah lays this out. But see this too, right? When Jesus was born, the enemy already knew that they were going to lose, right? Here's why. Look at verse 4 and 5. I'm sorry, go back. Yeah, well, the end of verse 3. It says, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Then it says this, that he will not judge by what he sees or decide by what he hears with his ears. But righteousness, with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor on earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness will be his slash around his waist, his sash around his waist. See, it says that he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and he also says this, that he will not judge by what he sees. Do you understand what that's talking about here? That God does not care about what we look like. He does not care about the opinions of of anything going on. What he cares about is what's inside. And that's the spirit of God. It's your heart. A lot of times we judge so much on what we see, but but Isaiah, I want you to understand, in a perfect and holy person, in a righteous person, he doesn't base his judgment of people off of what he sees. To me, honestly, that means by what they've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus doesn't look at that. What he looks at is what you are now. It looks at the present. It looks at what's inside of you. And with righteousness, he's able to judge. He's able to judge those for, 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 again, for what's inside of them, not for necessarily what they've done. Because he's the king of the world. He understands everything. He has the spirit of knowledge and wisdom and discernment. That's why the spirit of counsel and power is so, so, so important in this passage, because he's able to judge those righteously. And again, this all has a point. But then he goes on to say this, right? He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Now, do you know exactly what wickedness he's talking about in this passage? Some, some of you might like sin, but, but I think it goes a little deeper than that. I think it's literally everything that goes against the perfection that God created, everything. All wickedness will be destroyed. And if I could get real with you for a minute, I wanna, I wanna talk to you about, what, what, as, a, as, a, as a minister, what I've struggled with. And, and that's really hearing, it's really carrying burdens of the church. More specifically of the students, because that's what me and Mary Joy uh, focus on, and I think y'all know that. But it's really tough to, to hear uh, what, what students are struggling about. It's really tough to, to sit in staff meetings and just hear uh, the things that, in the life of the church, what we're dealing with. Whether it be death, Whether it be sickness, whether it be diseases that come about, whether it be sins, whether it be temptation, whether it be doubt, whether it be anxiety or worry. It's really hard to continually take these things in and and bear the burdens of others. And it all boils down to just this wickedness that's in the earth. Wickedness all around. I mean, anything that has gone against you, anything negative in the earth is what Isaiah is talking about. It's not just sin, but it is everything. Everything sickness, death, anxiety, worry, everything. But Isaiah lays this out and he wants you to understand that the the, the Messiah will strike the earth and all wickedness will be destroyed. Every little last bit of it will be destroyed. But if you're a believer in Jesus, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand the hope that you have. Yes, this world is tough. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on. Every single family deals with different stuff whether it be marriage problems, whether it be children acting up, whatever it may be. Everybody deals with stuff. Maybe it be doubt in the existence of God. Everybody deals with that. But there will be a day where all wickedness will be gone. But you know when that day comes? The day comes when Jesus returns. And sometimes we, we, we understand this as prophecy, but we, but we think maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, I don't know. And so we just kind of push all this stuff off and we just let this wickedness come back into our mind and take us off the path that God had us on. But wherever you're struggling, can I tell you something? Wherever you're struggling with today, if you have belief in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. And Isaiah, in these last couple of verses, really wanted to point out who the Messiah is. But then he transitions into another part, and you gotta understand too for a New Testament, this next passage, these next couple of verses, is brand new. This isn't, this isn't stuff that's been talked about through the whole, the whole New Test the Old Testament. This is kind of new. And Isaiah kind of brings this forth because, again, he's a prophet, and, and the Lord gives him some wisdom and understanding, and he gives him insight on what to write. And so, back to this lion's thing, right? The viciousness of a lion. Picture that as wickedness, right? Because a lion, wouldn't kill, a lion wouldn't kill the young. He wouldn't eat the young if it wasn't for sin in the first place. And so God lays out this, this incredible passage of what you and I get to enjoy if you're a believer in Christ. Look at verse six. The wolf will lay with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. You understand how like, completely opposite that is? They're supposed to feed on them. They're not supposed to lay with them that's completely opposite of what's happening. Let's keep going because it gets even better. To me, the calf and the lion and the yearling will all be together, and the little children will lead them. There's no fear, no more fear for anything. Children will lead lions. Then it goes on to say the cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant, oh, this is incredible. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. All right, do you understand what we're talking about here? So Isaiah lays out the key to to be able to obtain this perfect peace and perfect harmony for us. It's the Messiah that he just talked about. The guy that has the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the one who died in the rightful place for us so that me and you can understand and be able to grasp all the glory of God and understand how we get to obtain this hope that he's talking about where children can literally play with vipers and they can literally play with cobras and not fear or be harmed or be destroyed. A complete opposite of what we live in today. Why is that important? Well, because one day, we won't have to worry about, it. we won't have to sit here in this church and complain about everything going on inside outside the world, because the Prince of Peace has finally come, and you and I live in perfect harmony with every single thing that God created. It's a restoration of the, of the Garden of Eden that God wanted from the very beginning. And it all begins on this Christmas season with the birth of Jesus. We just gave thanks for the many blessings that we have, and now we get to come into a season where we can literally try to understand the fulfillment of prophecy that is Jesus. And I challenge you today that if you don't know who Jesus is, please talk to somebody. Don't leave here today without understanding that first off, that God loves you, that God was born to save you, and that if you find fulfillment, find joy in the will of God, that there's an incredible, this is, this is the picture that, that Isaiah is trying to lay out, that there's an incredible time waiting for us, where everything will be in perfect harmony. See, you got to understand that one day that all wickedness will be gone and complete peace will be with us because the knowledge of the Lord will be surrounding us. That's what it says in verse 9, that for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Literally, that means God will be dwelling among us. And in every single, by every single person's heart and every single person's mind will be the knowledge of the Lord because it is surrounding us. Don't necessarily focus on what's bad today. Let's focus on what we get to obtain later in life and let that be an encouragement for you and let that be an encouragement to be able to share with the people around you. And one day when the knowledge of the Lord is surrounding us, we'll be in perfect harmony, be in perfect peace. And it'll be perfection that God created before we With sin ruined it. See, live today and fight your battles, because battles are gonna come in this day. And it's gonna try to bring you on. Evil is around. The enemy is trying everything they can to take you off that path because, like we mentioned before, he already knew the enemy already knew he lost when Jesus was born. So he's gonna do everything he can to take you off this path, to try to deceive you out of what Isaiah is trying to tell you, because he does not want you to live in that harmony. He doesn't want you to have that peace. But the Spirit of the Lord does. That's why Jesus was even born in the first place. So live today, fight your battles today because one day perfect harmony is coming. Share the love of Christ with passion passion and, and excitement, understanding that one day God will dwell among us and creation will be transformed to what it was intended to be like. And this incredible passage of this, this lion, right? And when I see these documentaries of this lion just attacking and just ripping apart, sorry for the, But I had to, right, ripping apart these animals. And then one day you'll see them lying down together where children can go up and play with lions. Children can go up and play with cobras and and vipers because the spirit and the knowledge of the Lord is surrounding everybody. And one day this, this meek man that was born out of the stump of Jesse will close the mouth of the lions. But let me ask you a question. Do you really understand that? Are you, and don't just say, yes, I understand. Because if you really understood it, then your life would display that. Your life would display the joy that God is trying to bring you later in life. And if you really understood that, then anybody that you come in contact with, you would try to share something with. And we say this all the time, share the gospel, tell somebody. It's more than that. It's building relationships. I know how hard it is to go to a stranger and talk about Jesus and share the gospel with them. And most of the time that doesn't work. You know why? Because it's not a relationship. It takes more than just talking about Jesus. It's living Jesus. It's displaying Jesus. It's building relationship with people and and trying to show them the difference in the wickedness that, that the enemy creates and the glory that God is. But that comes through me and it comes through you and it comes through the way we live. And one day... No matter how bad we are off in this world, no matter how wicked this is, no matter how many struggles you go through on a daily basis with your family, with your job, with people that may be ill in your family, one day perfect harmony and peace will be displayed on the earth and the lion will lay with the lamb. So maybe that's you. Maybe that's you and you haven't quite understood who this Jesus guy is. I'll tell you this. This might be completely opposite of what we always do on a Sunday morning. But I'm going to tell you this. I know how hard it is if you've never accepted Jesus to walk forward in front of all these people. So you know what? I'm going to ask you not to do that. But if that's you and you you, you try to understand who Jesus is, what I do need to ask you to do is talk to somebody. Please, inquire about who this man Jesus is. Inquire about who this Messiah is. Inquire about who this, what this future may look like when we understand the hope of Jesus. Just ask somebody about it. That's what we ask of you to do. I understand that, that it's gonna be very difficult for y'all to walk forward, for anybody to walk forward, but I'm telling you that it is well worth it when you can understand and grasp the hope laid out for you. And it all started years ago with the birth of Jesus. But maybe you've already done that and you're still struggling in life right now. You still feel you're just just wrapped in in this wicked world. Understand, find, find passion, find peace, find encouragement in the fact that one day that, that hope will come. And today on the earth, when we live in this earth, that hope is our cure. Hope is the way that we can live through this life. Hope is how we can get through anything that, that the enemy lays out before us today because we understand the knowledge of the Lord will dwell with us. And maybe this isn't isn't exactly what you are thinking was going to happen today, but but maybe God is speaking to you. And as we go into this Christmas season, let the birth of Christ, let it lift us up in this time. And maybe we stop focusing on everything that we get. Maybe we start focusing on who Jesus really is. And I hope that every time you look at lions now, you'll understand how ferocious they are. But I hope you also understand that, that Jesus has the power and has the authority given to him by God to literally close the mouth of the lions so that one day we will lay together. And how incredible is that vision that Isaiah lays out? That It's ferocious animals that he, he, he lays out that one day will all just be in perfect harmony with each other. But I can't stress this enough. That will never happen without belief in Jesus as your savior. And so I pray, I encourage you, talk to somebody about that. I would love to talk to you about that. I would love to just lay out who Jesus really is to me. And that's all it really takes to share your story with somebody. But if you believe everything that we talked about today, if you really believe that Jesus is the king of your life, if you really wanna find fulfillment and joy in the will of God, then do something about it. Don't just say it, don't just read it, but be it. And build relationships with people who desperately need it. And use this passage. Use the vision that Isaiah lays out. That a ferocious animal like a lion won't be anymore because harmony, the prince of peace has come. Live for that today. Don't live for what today is. Understand the hope that God has laid out for you and we can get through anything together. Let's be the church together and pick each other up. And understand that when in the day that the Lord does come back, that we will be together with nothing to worry about with just pure joy, being able to understand and fully grasp and see the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, that that you laid out this awesome vision of what you want to happen in our lives and this awesome vision, Father, of what you have prepared for us later in life. And so, Father, I just pray today that if anybody is struggling with what they uh, are living with today, if anybody is struggling with the decision to follow you as a personal Savior, Father, that you allow them to just talk to somebody today. Father, I just pray again that if anybody in this room doesn't know who you are, give them the courage and boldness to stand up. But maybe, Father, there's a lot of people who have accepted you as the Lord and Savior, but maybe they've been off track because because of many things that go on in life, and they might have just just started to doubt, or, or maybe they just started to run away from you because they don't understand what's happening. Father, give them a clear vision of what's waiting for them. Help them understand, Father, that you sent your son to die, that we may have life, and we don't have to live in this world fearing what's happening, but we can live in this Lord, world fearing you as Lord. And we can hopefully, Father, find joy in fulfilling your will. And we can find encouragement in what is to come through the hope that you give us. We love you, Father. We thank you for this season that is the birth of Jesus, and may we continually find encouragement to share with other people who need it. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.